What is going on, everybody? My name is Eric, and you are listening to another exciting episode of the Unlockables podcast. The story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. I'd like to thank you, as I do each and every week, for tuning in to spend just a little bit of your hard one time with us. I really do appreciate it. Wherever, whenever, in time and space you might be located, it really does mean a lot to me. This is a bit more of another impromptu episode. I'm running solo again this week. Life's been stressful. I haven't had the chance, the opportunity to line up guests, and that's fine. I enjoy just kind of talking, and based on some of the feedback, I guess you guys enjoy my random monologues sometimes. Uh, I'd much rather uh, have guests on and be talking to people, but life just won't allow that right now. So I'm just talking about a couple of interesting things that are happening in the gaming industry right now, and that is going to be our primary topic for today. Uh, before we get into that, though, I just wanted to kind of touch base in the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you've been listening, we dropped part zero of Guiding Keys, the story of Kingdom Hearts. I'm calling it the Kingdom Hearts Primer. It goes over some of the key, no pun intended, key concepts and things that you need to know when diving into the Kingdom Hearts series. So if you haven't listened to that, I'd highly recommend it. Part one will be coming relatively soon. I've begun my playthrough of Kingdom Hearts one, and I'm really looking forward to kind of picking that game apart, going over all of the major story elements, the gameplay, the design, the history, all that fun stuff. Uh, I think it's going to make for a really great content, a really great series, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Uh, I think anybody that listens to this channel knows that my love for Kingdom Hearts is fervent, fanatical, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it's a it's a game that's very endearing to me because it doesn't have any right to to be what it is and be as successful as it is. If you listen the previous week, we touched a little bit on the history of the Wii. That was a fun episode. I thought that was really cool, some really interesting insight. But once we get past these couple of weeks in June, I will most certainly be getting guests back on the show. I've got some people lined up. Uh, very excited to sit down with those people and record too. And uh, I believe this episode will be coming out in the 2nd of June. I've made some guest appearances on podcasts. Don't know when those will be coming out, but keep your eyes open for that because uh, I'm on a couple episodes that I'm actually really excited. Uh, not only be on my friend's shows, but also the topics that we discuss as well. So definitely looking forward to that. Have some awesome stuff coming later this summer. And as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in, talking to me on social media, checking the show out. The words of encouragement uh, and just everything has been awesome lately, and I really appreciate that. Today's topic, one of the things I want to talk about, and obviously once this episode is released, I believe we'll kind of be in the thick of it. This is the time of year, of course. Traditionally, we would be having a little event in the gaming industry called E3 that has been a staple of the video game industry has been the premier marketing event in the industry for however long it's been around. Uh, I mean, I've remembered E3s back to the early 2000s. I'm pretty sure it's happened even before that. It's really a place for people to come together, uh, you know, the industry, uh, the biggest players and show off what's coming next in a three to five day span of incredible gameplay trailers and stuff like that. I myself had the pleasure of going to E3 back in 2017. I actually did a, a retrospective episode on that last year on the SideQuesting podcast uh, feed. So if you're interested in hearing kind of my experiences actually going to an E3, uh, you can go and listen to that episode. I'll link it in the description. Some It was a really cool uh, experience being there for the first time that they opened it to the public and 
in several years. That was very cool. But this year in 2022, it was announced as it was in, I believe, 2020, that E3 will not be happening this year. And the writing's kind of been on the wall for a while, it seems. PlayStation and Nintendo have kind of been doing their own things without E3 for a few years now. Nintendo has like their treehouse and their directs and all that stuff. They don't really do like a main conference anymore. And PlayStation's kind of just been the lone wolf kind of doing their own thing, right? There is no E3 this year, and it's kind of, I would definitely say it's the writing on the wall for sure. Uh, E3 as we know it, at least for the next few or several years, probably not going to exist. That's kind of, I, I've kind of been calling that the last couple of years that E3 is not as in its current state as a three to five day celebration of gaming and what is to come in the middle of June. It's not going to happen. But something interesting has happened in light of that, right? Uh, first of all, man who has seems to just encapsulate all things video games, Jeff Keighley, has kind of been on a tear ever since E3's kind of been bleeding out with setting up uh, Summer Games Fest, which is like a competitor to E3. Uh, he used to do a bunch of the stuff for E3, but he's kind of just, he kind of, made it his personal vendetta to kill E3 at all costs, it seems like, uh, which he appears to be succeeding at. So good job, Jeff, I guess. I don't know. I don't really have a horse in this race. I'm just a man on the Internet with a microphone. So he does that. He does Gamescom in fall. And that stuff will be taking place this year, along with a whole other spate of individual press conferences, showcases, things that are showing off games. but Instead of it kind of being confined under the E3 umbrella, the unintended side effect of E3 basically disintegrating is now everybody's kind of doing their own thing. They're building their own showcase presentation style things, kind of like they would be at E3, but they've realized, hey, we have the technology and the marketing budget. We don't need to do this at E3 and pay them all of their dues or whatever to have show floor space and all this other stuff, right? We don't need to do that. We can just do it by ourselves. Heck, that's what Nintendo's been doing for a while. And so we have arrived at what has, I guess, been ceremoniously dubbed event season, where it's not just E3 anymore. It's not just a three to four to five day span of big, uh, the, the big players in the industry, like your press, you see your press conferences from like your Sony, your, your Microsoft and Nintendo. And then uh, some of the bigger publishers like your Activision Blizzards, although Blizzard basically has their own con now, so they've been ahead of the curve for years, right? And EA and, and Ubisoft and all these other guys would have these elaborate live in-person showcases where you would go. COVID, that had been kind of happening for a while, but COVID kind of threw that in the trash, right? That's just, we've moved past that now. We can do things on our own. It's the advent of working from home. Zoom meetings, teleconferences, all this stuff, that has become an acceptable way to do business, to do work, and frankly, a lot of the big boys have just decided that it's cheaper to move their stuff in-house. So, for better or worse, don't get me wrong, I love event season as much as the next person. I'm always intrigued to see what's coming out, to see if anything, any long-dormant franchises, sequels to, to great games, I, I'm... I'm really excited about all that stuff. I love seeing it, right? But it just gets a little bit oversaturated in the middle of June, right? That's just the way I feel about it. 
and I'm not calling out anybody specifically. It's mostly gaming journalism in the way that the hype machine integrates into the industry to create unreasonable expectations. And then people get mad when games get delayed. But I digress. So instead of having this thing confined to like a three day space in June and have everybody freak out about it for two weeks. It's kind of now spread out across the entirety of June and even into the entirety of summer into fall. Right. So it used to be confined into one area. Like it's like the hype machine is like like a a disease, right? It's just it's spreading. (laughs) I mean, maybe that's not the best analogy, considering we're on the tail end of a pandemic here. It's like a weed, I guess you could say it's like spreading. If, If it's left unchecked, it'll just spread. And I just wanted to spend a little bit of time today. I, I just wanted you to visualize this madness and how like far out of control it's gotten because it's not just going to, I mean, if you're a podcaster who keeps up with the industry, this is great for you, right? This is prime content. You have content basically for the rest of summer with, with all this stuff happening with the way it's spread out. Whereas maybe before you could only ride that E3 hype train for a week or two uh, now you have stuff happening over multiple weeks over multiple months so let's just go down the list here real quick it's got, got just a, a brief list of all the things that are happening right First off, Thursday, June 2nd, 6 p.m. Eastern, Sony is having a 30-minute state of play. And we're hoping, I don't know what we'll see on that. Obviously, people are saying God of War Ragnarok. I'm hoping to see Stray. At this point, I don't give a shit about any other PlayStation game. Give me the cat game. (laughs) That's what I want, right? I want the cat game and maybe give me a release date for God of War. That's fine, whatever. I'm not here to elaborate or speculate on what these things are because it's already happened. This already happened by the time this episode came out, but I just want to go down the list, right? So June 2nd, Sony State of Play, uh, Jeff Keighley Fest, I mean, Summer Game Fest, sorry. <clears throat> uh, Summer Game Fest is kicking off uh, June 9th at 2 p.m. And I don't know. I don't know if that runs multiple days or whatever. I, the, like. Jeff Keighley's just going to get on the stage and scream world premiere world exclusives and, and do whatever it is that he does. I mean, this is basically what the game awards are. I mean, 30 minutes of awards and just like 17 hours of trailers at this point. But yeah, just Jeff Keighley is going to get up there and just yell world exclusive at you for however many days or however long this takes. Uh, there's something called Gorilla Collective happening on Saturday, June 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern. And this is going to be focused on like indie style games. That might actually be interesting. I'm more interested in the indie showcases than the big guys, I would say. After that showcase, we have a showcase called Wholesome Direct, which is also on Saturday, June 11th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And this is showing off, again, 
uh, indie small developer games that are supposed to be wholesome. That's why it's called wholesome. They're supposed to be lighter in tone. They're supposed to make you feel good. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Future Games Show, also on Saturday, June 11th. Man, June 11th is the big day, right? Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern for that show. And uh, this is a hour-long showcase that's going to be put out by Games Radar. It has says it has 40 games, but, I mean, if everybody's having games here, like, how many games are going to be overlapping? I mean, there's not... There's only so many people working on so many games at once, right? It's not like each hours-long event thing can have tons of games, right? Then we have on Sunday, June 12th, we have the Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase at 1 p.m. Eastern, followed by the PC Gaming Showcase on Sunday, June 12th at 3 p.m. So that's like literally after Xbox gets done. Then Blizzard, <laughs> Blizzard for whatever reason, is hosting an Overwatch Showcase on Thursday, June 16th, uh, timing to be determined. For Overwatch 2, I'm assuming, the game that isn't a sequel, but it's it's not really. It's just kind of like updated visuals and like one like they changed the PvP a little bit. We haven't seen anything about the PvE mode like it's. OK, Blizzard, what are you waiting for? Like, come on, let's go. Quite the fall for Overwatch from a game that won multiple Game of the Year awards back in 2016 when that launched to just kind of, you know, wasting that momentum and losing the spotlight to some of these battle royale and live service games that have come out recently. I mean, it's just, they're really stalled on that. Uh, then there's a THQ Nordic showcase Friday, August 12th. And, uh, I mean, obviously THQ Nordic owned by Embracer group, but and it doesn't seem Embracer is doing like their own thing, but TH Nordic's just like, yo, we're just going to do it. And uh, it's supposed to spotlight updates on existing games, I guess. So they're not going to have anything really new. So the article mentions Biomutant. So maybe we'll get a updated quality of life for Biomutant. Bio I don't know. Uh, and then Gamescom opening night live Thursday, August 23rd with time of to be determined. So, <laughs> man, talk about having ultimate power, right? Uh, the, the event season begins with Jeff. And it ends with Jeff. Uh, he bookends the season to make sure that people know he is president of video games. And the point of this episode isn't to speculate on what might or might not be happening. Because like I said, by the time this episode comes out, you'll literally be in the thick of it. Or maybe I'll flip this with my other episode, even though I've already said what the other episode is in the, the introduction. But whatever, I don't care. Really, what's happening here is... The reason I wanted to talk about this topic is because recently over the years, and it's been especially amplified by COVID and the pandemic, is the video game industry has always been fed and sustained by a hype, right? More than probably any other industry. I mean, all industries have trade shows and events where they showcase things, but a lot of the times they're physical things you can touch and do. And that I guess that was kind of the advantage of E3 is like you could literally go there and play the games and see. Whereas now it's just kind of like you're going to be getting trailers pretty much and maybe some gameplay here and there. But you're going to be getting half rendered, half not realistic gameplay trailers just thrown at you for an hour straight in all 10 of these or however many I listed. So you're really losing. First of all, you're losing that in-person playability element. And. Second of all. 
and this has been very, very much heightened, like I was saying, by the pandemic and the events. Recently, showcases, game trailers, all of these things. The, the gaming industry is like built on hype. It's, it's like no other industry that I can think of. Other industries have trade shows and stuff, but like hype generation in the gaming industry is like nothing I've ever seen unless you're like a hardcore sneakerhead or you know you get the supreme or gucci drops or whatever it is the kids do these days with their rare clothing or whatever i have no idea i buy five dollar t-shirts from kohl's and the hype train and the current state of the gaming industry at least i feel are kind of at odds with each other right because you're creating this hype and you're trying to sustain it for years and this is a problem that can be I think Starfield's a good example, right? Last year, Xbox does an incredible, like their own showcase at E3, whatever. And, you know, they drop the giant bomb. Starfield's coming out 11, 11, 22. And it's going to be Xbox exclusive on Game Pass, right? That's a huge deal. Huge thing. And they really were like, hey, 11, 11, 22, because, you know, freaking Bethesda loves their number conventions or whatever it is that they do. 11 years after Skyrim came out. And now we've gotten it the past couple weeks that, hey, Starfield's been delayed to 2023. So you've created this hype going towards this target date. And now you're not going to meet this target date. And I'm not and that's not a bad thing. I am a firm believer of developers, video game studios should have as long as they need to develop a good quality product. If that makes life easier on the developers, on the people actually doing the hard work and making these games so they don't have to crunch and work 150 hours a week. That's fantastic. I am all for that. But you're creating this unnecessary fervor around like you're, you're just creating problems for yourself when you make these promises and you can deliver. Right. You're creating a especially for a, a fan base as passionate as the gaming fan base. Right. Because they're going to hold it, hold you to it. You said, hey, you said 11, 11, 22 and people are starting to come around on the delayed development thing like that's been more widely accepted than i think it used to be but there's still this pressure to hit deadlines and get these games out and the community expects you to deliver they're not just gonna accept delays indefinitely although it's like your life wouldn't be any different now versus like if the game never came out like it'd just be the same and you'd find something else to play so just calm down about it but i think what the like there's just there's too much and I did an episode on this about side questing podcast there's there's too much hype in the industry and E3 was like peak hype it was peak hype there was so much hype all the time around everything that was going on in E3 like a 30 second trailer of somebody showing something and, and like with the words now in development on it not even promising release date would just send people into a fucking frenzy like a frenzy like throwing meat to rabid wolves that hadn't eaten in weeks. You swear to God that with how blessed we are to have so many games to play that we don't have anything better to do with our time. Like play the stuff that's already out. No, let me just lose my, lose my mind over something that's not going to come out for six years. Right? But that's how video game companies do business. They thrive on building hype and they want to deliver that hype to you. But what they can't deliver with that hype is a tangible target date as to when this game will come out. That's very clear. It's very clear to me that video game companies don't really know 
when a game is going to come out unless it's like super close, right? One of the things that I'm quite actually pleased about, but it's still a rumor, it might not actually be true, but the game that has languished in development hell probably longer than any other game, uh, except maybe Metroid Dread, uh, Skull and Bones from Ubisoft Singapore finally got rated in Korea for release. We don't have a release date for Skull and Bones, but it's rated, which leads us to believe, hey, it's close to being done, right? And so maybe you just don't put the release date out until you're closer to being done for the game. But you can't do that because that's exactly what E3 was designed to do, is create this hype around these things that are coming out. And I feel like now it's going to be worse than ever because hype is good, but I've always preached, you know, manage your expectations because if you hype something up so much, like no matter how good it actually is, like it's never going to live up to the hype. It never is. It's just not. It's exactly how it was when I, I've said this example a few times on the show, when I went and played Undertale. Undertale was hyped up to be this incredible game. A generation once in like life defining uh, spawned all these inside jokes, these memes, you know, these pop culture things very prevalent in the zeitgeist. I played Undertale just last year, and that game's been out for five, six, seven years now, whenever that game came out. And don't get me wrong, I loved Undertale. I thought Undertale was fantastic. It's a great game, it's got a lot of heart, it's super unique. What Toby Fox was able to do is incredible. I recommend Undertale to everybody, but I just had such a picture of this game in my mind that the hype just, it just didn't live up to the hype. It just, it, it didn't. Because the game was so hyped and so lauded. Doesn't mean I didn't like it. Loved it. It's great. I'll definitely probably go back and <laughs> play it again in the future, for sure. When you build up this hype, if you, you have to build up hype responsibly. Because then when you start to not deliver on that hype, it's when the, the capital GTM copyright gamers start to turn on you because they don't understand. Be like, you promised us this thing and we want it. And you promised you showed the release date. You showed the trailer like we want this thing because we're not rational people. That's just how it is. You need to temper your expectations. And that is the one thing I would preach going into this event season is temper your expectations. Temper your expectations. You're Synapses are about to be overloaded with summer event game press conference stuff. Like it absolutely is, especially now that it's spread over the next couple months. It's going to be on podcasts you listen to. It's going to be on YouTube channels. It's going to be in gaming publications. All the major uh, industry journalist sites are going to cover it. It's going to be inescapable. And I guarantee you there's going to be flashy trailers that say now in development or promise release dates. And let me tell you what, if I was a betting man, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of the release dates in those trailers, especially from bigger developers, aren't going to hit release date. It's not going to. The only game that hits release date consistently is Pokemon. Pokemon got to make money. They aren't going to miss those. It's not going to happen. Go into the event season with cautious optimism. It's okay to be excited, but hype to a certain degree, I feel is unhealthy. And if we temper expectations and we stop treating the gaming industry like the latest rare Air Jordan sneaker drop every time we get a little trailer or something, I think that with managed expectations, 
it'll just be a more enjoyable community overall. Especially with a lot of you I talked to knowing for damn sure that you got a backlog of like 700 games waiting for you to play. It's like, listen, <laughs> y'all don't need this. Like you got plenty, you got more games than you can play in your entire life right now. <laughs> you can, uh, and not calling out anybody specifically. I'm just, I'm just, I'm joking, obviously. But, and it's not just us on the consumer side of it. It's on the developers, publishers, the big gaming companies to do this too, right? They aren't doing themselves any favors by setting such crazy expectations they debuted the trailer for kingdom hearts 3 in like 2013 and that game didn't come out for six fucking years like what i like are you serious right now are, are you crazy like why would you debut a game that far in advance like i understand you want to like let the people know but and then obviously like they're like oh we're gonna change engines this that and the other thing like i would never have supported like the Kingdom Hearts community had lived a few like several years without like a new title. Like we can wait a few more years, like wait till it gets closer to properly build those expectations. Right? They showed Final Fantasy VII Remake, <laughs> a tech demo, on the PlayStation 3. And look how that fucking spiraled out of control for 10 years, right? That game was like in the background of like literally everybody's thought process uh since the PS3 that since they showed that. I think there's a responsible way to set expectations so that you <laughs> don't bring out the worst in uh, from the dredges of the Internet. Otherwise, you know, I, I think cyberpunk is a perfectly uh, great example of this. They did not set expectations for that game and it was clearly not ready at launch. But the expectations they did set were so high. Obviously, the pressure got to upper management. They're just like, hey. This game has to come out like now. We cannot push it back anymore. Like, like it's just creating such bad PR. And you'd be crazy to think that bad PR wouldn't kill a game. I absolutely think it would. I, I can't think of anything in like recent memory where bad PR has killed the game. Uh, and Cyberpunk seems to have found somewhat of a second life, I guess. It's become moderately successful based on uh, my brief followings of the industry. But not every game is going to get a second life like Cyberpunk. Anthem's probably a good example of that, right? The expectations for Anthem were not set accordingly. And because of the hype, I feel like that game got pushed out the door before it was ready. They obviously needed more time with it. They needed to rework things. And now that game is dead. <laughs> and EA has $60 of my money that I'll never get back. Because I, I fell for it and that's my fault. So, But that's, that's really the main thing is... Just the hype train is going to be so much more sustained now that we've basically pulled apart E3 and instead of clustering it into one small section of days in June, basically sprinkled it all over the entire length of summer. And it's just like maybe it's just me. I try not to be cynical. I try to be as positive as I can. But just the unsustained hype is just <laughs> it's just so much sometimes. So much so that I just have to kind of disconnect and take a step back. And that's personally just me, right? This isn't, I understand a lot of people, you know, love to talk about that stuff. I just think that, you know, hype and content for content's sake, like I said at the start of this show, is just not a healthy way to interact with your fans it brings out the worst in people especially when you can't deliver on promises that you've made 
right? Microsoft and Halo is probably another good example of that. Like this, this hype train around the return of Halo. And now it's like, you don't, you don't have any plans. Like there is no, there's no plan in place. I think with video games being so mainstream and corporatized, you think that the big games have more of a plan in place, right? And there was very much pressure to get Halo out the door. You might think that Microsoft did the right thing by giving 343 more time to work on that game. And I would agree, they definitely needed more time. They gave them a whole year to work on that game. Could you imagine if that game released a year before? (laughs) I mean, that probably would have killed the Halo franchise, but I hear the Paramount Plus TV shows doing a pretty good job of that by itself. So maybe we won't have to worry about that. But even after a year, you think, and the tumultuous development cycle, you would think that Microsoft kind of would have been more prepared for that and 343 would have. And I enjoyed my time with Halo when it launched, but it was kind of like a flash in the pan. Everyone was like super, like, oh, Halo. And it felt really good because Halo was super nostalgia, which is another thing that ties into the psyche of capital G gamer people. Me too. Everyone looks at things with some level of rose tinted glasses. That's just how we are. But to like push Halo out the door and, you know, you ha- only have so much goodwill with that game before it's like, okay, what is this? Where, where's the multiplayer content? I mean, we've played the campaign already. Your, your uh, bounty system or your like daily quest system is kind of messed up. Your battle pass, you know, you have these long ass seasons that are like providing bare bones content. It's like, where's the meat on the bone? Like, why, why didn't they should have had a plan for that? Is all I'm saying. And it could have been avoided or at least been better by just tempering expectations, right? Or just being like, hey, like, we need a little more time. Like, that's it. But because of the hype and the pressure, you know, stuff's just getting shoved out the door when it's not ready. And, you know, I think the gaming industry would save itself a lot of trouble, like I said a million times this episode, by just properly setting expectations. Just, just properly setting expectations. This is, again, not a vendetta on the industry or journalism or anything like that. I have my own problems with both of those things, right? But this is kind of where we are now. And honestly, I kind of blame Nintendo. Because Nintendo was kind of the first one to kind of start and kick this off. They had a string of E3 shows that like didn't go great. That they had a lot of kind of weird things go wrong from live press conferences. So they were like, F it. We're going to very highly controlled Nintendo Directs that are like pre-planned, not doing anything live. And they have like this weird Nintendo Treehouse thing afterwards where like you go and play games and experience or whatever. Nintendo was really kind of the first people to do that. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to do our own thing. Like, like that's what Nintendo always does. <laughs> they're just like, hey, we're going to go do our own thing now. Like, we don't care about what the other people are doing. And then Sony was kind of like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't need this. We don't need to be at E3. Like, we can do our own thing, too. We have the recognition in the games and stuff. Just because this is the way that things have always been done doesn't mean it's the way that things should always be done, right? I've lobbied for the death of the hype train (laughs) more than I care to admit because I just I think the hype train and setting expectations leads to this fear of like FOMO and leads to anxiety. Not that you should be experiencing anxiety about video games. And if you are experiencing anxiety about video games, I would highly recommend to just like take a step back because uh, they're not things that should be producing anxiety for you. Right. You shouldn't be like thinking about them and be like, oh my God, I have so many games to play. Like 
it's just unbearable, then shave down your backlogs. Like, let's be honest. Are you really going to play some like random ass game you picked up on a Steam sale for like $2 that came out in like 2012 and got like middling success, but you bought it because it was $2? No, you're probably not going to. You're not going to go because every month there's a deluge of games that come out that are better quality and that are like the new thing. And that's what really drives the news and drives the hype is the new thing, right? We get what we get and then it's like, all right, what is on the horizon? There are very few titles that have that staying power. Like this year specifically, Elden Ring comes to mind. I think Elden Ring will be around in the zeitgeist for a long time because of, of what it's done. But you have a couple of weeks and and probably Monster Hunter too, but that's because Monster Hunter community is fucking awesome and, you know, whatever. But you have a couple of weeks and then it's already it's already like, all right, like what's next? It's like, do I really need an hour showcase showing me 40 games of what's next? 40 games? Like, are you serious? Really? I, between this year and last year, I haven't even played 40 games total. I played like 18 games all the way through last year that were new experiences. And I've played 17 games this year that are like a mix of new and old experiences. So I haven't even played 40 games total in the last two years yet. Maybe that's 40. Uh, it's getting close. 18 plus 17 is like 35. Maybe quick maths. I haven't even played that many games. And now we're going to have like 10 different events. that are going to showcase just a deluge of games at you. Like... <laughs> The hype and the FOMO are going to be at all-time highs at the end of this summer. Like, seriously. How do you ever expect anybody to compete? And that's, and that's the way it has to be, right? The gaming market now is so inundated with different titles and different experiences and different things. And it's the same way television is, too. And streaming. There's so many different experiences and things to watch now. It's like, you, there's the pressure to always be producing and, and pushing the boundaries and putting out more and more flashy, big better quality things because that's what draws the attention right right that's what it is netflix wants every single one of their shows to be stranger things like that's what they want because that's what's drawing the attention is like the 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 there's so much noise coming into your brain at any given day from smartphones from you know streaming and being on computers all day and playing games and and i'm starting to sound like a, a old person but like the, you, you're just your brain is getting bombarded by messages and ads and you know the your smartphone speakers listen to you as soon as you say one thing about potatoes and then they're advertising potatoes to you on Facebook your brain is getting constantly bombarded by messaging and there's so much of it that the only way they can break through to you and you know generate that hype is to bombard you with even more bigger spectacular flashy things and make these ridiculous promises that they can't keep right <laughs> i mean 40 games from that one showcase that's one showcase <laughs> like oh my god like the game awards last year how many fucking trailers were there it was like a four hour thing with like a half hour of events like like it's it's just it's unbelievable I don't even know like what the point of this episode is anymore. Like I really don't. I, I think I started talking about like hype and, and messaging and controlling your expectations. And now I'm just like lamenting the state of modern society is like advertising is like the sole thing to try and get us to like consume because consumption gives life meaning. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I don't know. How much media have you consumed today? 
not as much as me. <laughs> Does that make me a better person? I have no idea. Most conversations nowadays revolve around, hey, what is X media that you have consumed today, friend? Be like, uh, I went outside and consumed a picnic <laughs> because I was tired of Zuckerberg listening to me. So at least, uh, you know, if he's not listening to me through my smartphone, at least he has to send out the, the fake government bird drones to listen to what I'm doing, right? This episode has devolved so far off the rails that I don't even know what's fucking happening right now. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. But I just I just think. Maybe perhaps like. Would the industry be any worse off without the THQ Nordic showcase? Don't think so. Like obviously PlayStation and the Xbox are going to have like their own things. Do we really need like Gorilla Collect? I mean, I guess the indie guys deserve to have their stuff. I mean, that's fine. But like. Man, do, like, do we need Summer Game Fest? Like, really? Do we need Summer Game Fest? Like, I just, I don't know. I, it just seems like a relic of a bygone era. And I, we're so, like, I, I've been preaching, I've been pitching this show to people. It's like the story of video games, people play them and the memories made along the way. And it's like, we're not stopping long enough to make the memories because it's always like, what are the next 150 game trailers they're going to show us, right? Video as things I've discovered on this podcast are video games are very experiences in video games are very strongly linked to intrinsic memories of certain points and times in our life to certain emotions, the ways we were feeling. We remember things that were happening in our life around those moments because we have the memories of video games. That is what I have remembered and learned doing this podcast. And people have come on here and shared very intimate very personal stories about their love of games and what they mean to them. And it just seems like nowadays it's like we're not stopping to think about that. My only concern about my current gaming habits and lifestyles is when the next colorful cotton candy skin for Fortnite's going to come out. Right? It's consumerism, which I understand companies have to make money, but... I firmly believe that video games are a thing that create memories and experiences and tell stories. It is my preferred way of experiencing story. If I'm going to consume content, it is through a video game. And it's just so much harder to have those meaningful experiences when you're just constantly blasted with the next 150 to 200 titles that might be between one and seven years away for all you know. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Games are meant to be enjoyed and experienced and form emotional connections. Like I believe that. And it's just it's just not possible when the treadmill of games is just constantly speeding up life and just I have to play X number of games. I have to experience X number of games. Like I have to like complete my backlog. Like, there's not anything wrong with having a backlog. 100% not. I have a backlog of titles that I want to go back and play. But when you get out of award season and have seen between 100 and 150 trailers, or however many it's going to be, and you've added 75 of those games to your backlog, it's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Creating existential horror of my, my backlog's gone from 700 games to 800 games now, and maybe 300 of those, like, 
are currently in development close to being out. Who knows? I, I just I don't know. I think it takes away from the experience of video games as a whole. It really does. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm like shitting on anything because I'm not. I did really this episode's just kind of devolved into like a, a rambling die <laughs> diatribe of of words against the modern society. But I guess I'm here to tell you that it, it's like okay. You don't have to experience the new thing. You don't have to feel pressured to play X thing is coming out because there's so much hype around it. I, this was me. This is 100% me. I, I think I talked about this in my episode with uh, your friendly neighborhood gamers, I believe it was. Or perhaps it was Chris, one of those two. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole world just kind of blurring together now. But I was on the store page for Elden Ring and I, had, I was ready to click buy and download it digitally. Like I absolutely was because the hype around Elden Ring was crushing. It was huge. It was a gravity well black hole that like sucked in any other thing around. It really was during that time when Elden Ring came out a couple months ago. Nothing else mattered. It was Elden Ring content 24 seven. And I, I get it. That's the big thing that everyone's doing then, right? I am traditionally anybody that's listened to this show. Um, I don't hate from software games. I've just never been able to finish one. And it's not because they're too hard. It's just like halfway or three fourths of the way through. I've fallen off and I just haven't gone back to the game. And I don't know why that is. It's just some games are for you. Some games aren't for you. And nobody knows you better than you. So if you don't think something is for you, like that's okay. Not everything is going to be for you. And it's perfectly fine to say you aren't missing out. I don't feel like my life is any worse off because I didn't play Elden Ring. I didn't experience the thing that literally every other person experienced. Like I don't feel bad about it at all. I'm actually happier that I didn't spend money on Elden Ring because like I said, I had fallen off of any other Souls-like game that I'd ever tried to play. It's very easy to get caught up in that rush of FOMO that, hey, like I got to be part of the conversation and you don't you don't have to be part of the conversation. Right. There are so many people that make so many so much great content that's not a part of the current conversation. Just play what you love, right? Just play what you love. You know what you love better than anybody else. And don't try to force yourself to pick up something or do something or be hyped about something if you're not sure about it. It's okay to be skeptical and it's okay to be to be questioning like that is a totally fine thing to do it's a rational human thing to do it's a lot less rational to just get worked up and go along with the flow if you know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to like or enjoy something I'll be like 100% honest. I have no idea (laughs) 
where I'm trying to go with this episode or what I'm trying to do. I, I truly don't know where we arrived here. I, I think I got off talking about how uh, maybe my whole main point against my diatribe against events and showcases was that the industry is too corporatized and we've lost sight of our ways and somehow ended up to, just rambling about a critique of the state of modern society for like 40 minutes. <laughs> but I, I, I truly believe the things that I'm telling you. And if I misspoke and if I, for whatever reason, like if you felt like I was shitting on you, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. Right. If you're excited for award shows and I am genuinely positive and optimistic about the state of these award shows. Right. I like, I, I really am. I'm very excited. Like I said, the only thing I'm excited to see is cat game stray. If they don't bring the cat game, like what am I even doing with my life? That's, it's pretty much my only like purpose for being and running the show anymore. I want to be a cat. Like that's what I want. So give it to me. Uh, and then just give me like a 14 days of Monster Hunter Sunbreak content and I'll be fine. Uh, I'm a simple man with simple tastes, right? I don't need 700 trailers. Just, just give me like the couple little nuggets that I need and then I'm good. That keeps me going. If you're excited for all of the various events, that's fantastic. I am not trying to be mean or anything like that to people. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? You guys know I I try to shout out everything I'm listening to throughout the week so that other people can hear and enjoy the stuff that I'm hearing and enjoying. And I know a lot of you out there are going to do spectacular, spectacular coverage of all of this stuff. That's not me. That's not what I do. I'm not good at doing that. I've tried to to do news and coverage before. I can't. I do my best work when I'm up here just rambling. Honestly, maybe this is because of the Kingdom Hearts madness. Maybe this is setting in already. It's very possible. (laughs) It has begun and it cannot be stopped. I am very, very genuinely looking forward to a lot of the great content and coverage that's going to come out because a lot of great people have a lot of great insight into the stuff that they're being shown and that's happening. Just because I have a crusade against (laughs) the industry and possibly Jeff Keighley doesn't mean I just doesn't mean that I, I do you understand what I'm trying to say. So uh, not here to trash anybody. I'm not here to talk shit. I'm not. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm just here to have a thought provoking rambling on really just take the time because life's too short to enjoy the things that, you know, you'll love and maybe finish your backlog. <laughs> being the primary thing so um yeah i guess how long has this episode been going for have i rambled long enough yet longer than 50 minutes roughly here at this point that's perfect toss some music in there it'll be around an hour bread and butter zone for a podcast uh if you've made it this long (laughs) i would like to thank you for tuning in as always i really do appreciate it it really does mean the world to me for you to, to sit here and say you enjoy (laughs) whatever this is at this point man i have no idea you guys are probably like eric is in weird form tonight has he been drinking no i have not i am perfectly sane like i said it's probably just the kingdom hearts madness starting to sneak in uh if you want to find me discuss with me yell with me i'll obviously be a part of the conversation for all of the events with you guys because i just love talking to people about video games and you know yeah it's if you want to bring me on your show and have me just yell like a crazy old homeless person like on the corner like i'll do that for sure i will 100 percent do that but if you want to find me 
links uh, for all my social media stuff are in the description of the episode, uh, along with the links to Hyper Potions channel and the song that I use for the intro. Definitely be sure to go check them out. They provide all they don't provide, but they write awesome music that they're pretty lenient about letting people use in creative processes. So definitely go check that out. Uh, If you know, coming up in June and July, I'm going to be on a lot of great shows and I have a lot of great guests coming on. And of course, we have Guiding Keys, the story of Kingdom Hearts. That stuff's going to be coming up pretty soon. Finishing, uh, starting, finishing my playthrough, hopefully this month of Kingdom Hearts 1. And uh, we'll be off to the races from there. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak comes out end of June. You better believe that even though I try to frame my show as more of like a story of video games, people and memories. I'm going to talk about games that I love too. And I'm going to have everything you need to know about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. And I'll probably even get some people uh, along with me who've, who've played it and dove in to get uh, their analysis on it as well. So you can look forward to that. But for now, I think I've ranted and rambled long enough. And I think that uh, <laughs> it's time for you guys to move on to a more rationally sounding podcast. And as always, I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much. It does absolutely mean the world to me. And make sure, remember, first and foremost, above everything, take care of yourself.